0: him connecting and being able to sleep again because he's crying and watching people cry and it's weird but he's he's found some kind of an outlet that made him be able to live again
1: and that's Mm -hmm. where i think like all this internet fandom stuff for tyler durden comes from is people and it's like american psycho too they internalize the movie instead of the message of the book
0: If you are reading this, then this warning is for you. Every word you read of this useless fine print is another second off your life. Don't you have other things to do? Is your life so empty that you honestly can't think of a better way to spend these moments? Or are you so impressed with authority that you give respect and credence to all that claim it? Do you read everything you're supposed to read? Do you think everything you're supposed to think? Buy what you're told to want? Get out of your apartment, meet a member of the opposite sex, stop the excessive shopping and masturbation, quit your job, start a fight, prove you're alive, and if you don't claim your humanity, you will become a statistic. You have been warned.
1: Welcome to Band Book Club. We're your hosts, Nick
0: and Rafaela.
1: And that was a quote from Fight Club by Chuck Palinik Palahniuk. <laughs>
0: Palinik is what I've heard.
1: Palinik, Okay. (laughs) Well, I had some thoughts that I was going to start off with, but they got too long, so I wrote them down. So here they are. I'm going to start with something sort of cliche, but I like cliches because they save a lot of time and they're usually true. This book made me think about the fine lines between things. Sometimes there's a fine line between cringe and cool. Case in point, after I read Fight Club in 8th grade, I shaved a slit in my eyebrow like Brad Pitt in the movie and went through a 3 year long phase where I wore really ostentatious Hawaiian shirts and rattled off a lot of edge half-baked Nietzsche stuff to anyone who would listen. It was also around the time that I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and I weighed 90 pounds at 6 feet tall. I felt completely powerless and emasculated, and the book's philosophy of radical self-determination really resonated with me and helped me get through that time, even if it was all very cringe. While I started feeling less afraid of death and more open to life, I was acting out in a lot of ways that were just embarrassing and dysfunctional. I started a bunch of fights at school and lost every time. I smashed a lot of beer bottles and destroyed people's property because I thought I was a real badass anarchist. I wrote vomit-inducing poetry and overall just acted way too jaunty and aggressive with people and tried to get in everyone's face with this biting, cynical affectation I had developed. I thought I was super cool, but I had become another kind of cliché, what the internet today recognizes as the guy who builds his whole personality off Tyler Durden. But there were good things too. This brings me to fine line number two. There's a fine line between self-improvement and self-destruction. I read Fight Club at a time when I was reading and taking in more than I ever had in my life. I was getting into literature from the lyrics of Patti Smith, and that led me to the poetry of Arthur Rimbaud, which led to Baudelaire and Sartre, then Camus and Nietzsche, and finally Kierkegaard and Dante, who allowed me to contextualize all the previous stuff and formulate a system of ethics that I still use today and pretty much let me be at peace. That's all to say that what looks like self-destruction on the outside can just be part of the process of becoming the person you're actually supposed to be. You know, law of conservation of matter type stuff. Getting better doesn't just drop into your lap. You usually have to suffer and go through some pain and dysfunction in order to build a new, better you. And if that looks like anger and aggression on the outside for a while, then so be it. Actually, I think that's a big part of what's going on in this book. That the natural feelings of aggression and anger, particularly in young men, aren't bad things in themselves. They're powerful things that you'll need to tap into and integrate properly if you want to actualize yourself. People might not understand their own anger, or maybe they misdirect it. But if you can master it and aim it at something meaningful, like taking care of people or making something that helps people, then you really come to life. You find the purpose and the freedom that the narrator is chasing after in this book. Which brings me to the last fine line this book made me think about. The fine line between liberty and freedom. That's what I think this book is really wrestling with. How do you go through that violent, exciting process of self-actualization without losing yourself or getting enslaved to something else in the process? I mean, that's the narrator here he creates Tyler and comes to life and then it's out of control. What makes the book a completely different story from the movie is that the narrator ends up in a mental institution being defeated by Tyler instead of the movie which turns it into a stupid beat the bad guy, get the girl thing. The book is much better because it doesn't let the narrator of the it doesn't let the narrator off the hook for not finding a way to properly contextualize all his aggression because it's ultimately not governed by something bigger than him. It collapses on itself and consumes him, along with a lot of other people. So what I think the book is really asking is, how do you straddle that line? That's what I want to talk about today, and that's the end of my clever little thin line intro thing.
0: So you think you're clever. <laughs> <laughs> How's that working out for you, yes, being clever? <laughs> um, I love that. I mean, I think this book is definitely a man's book, and... You know, we see it today. I mean, we'll talk about this. A Though there are later.
1: women fight clubs that popped up after this was made, too. We OK, out.
0: well, I just mean in general, when you go no, yeah, on yeah. the Internet, there's a lot of these uh, the, the Sigma male thing with Tyler Durden, Patrick Bateman. I don't Joker, know, the Joker, like there's always gamers rise up. They're always just mingled together, and so we're going to talk about why? Why does this happen? And why is Tyler Durden such a role model? And what's the meaning of all of this? But here's a little bit about Chuck Palahniuk, if we're saying that right. Um, He had some interesting jobs growing up. He actually was a mechanic. He was a truck driver and and fixed trucks. He was a journalist for a little while. He was a volunteer for the homeless shelter, and he was even a hospice worker. So I thought that was very interesting. He probably picked up a lot of inspiration along the way. Um, And he modeled his work once he finally started writing fiction in his mid-30s by a author named Tom Spanbauer, and he attended his workshops in Portland. His writing has been compared to people like Amy Hempel, Mark Richard, Dennis Johnson, Tom Jones, Brett Easton Ellis, and philosophers Michel Foucault, Friedrich Nietzsche, and Albert Camus. Um, this book was published and uh, written in 1996, and the movie came out in 1999. And I think a lot of people probably have seen the movie before they read the book. But we're here to say that the book is definitely better than the movie. But the movie is still very entertaining and a cult classic. Um, And it's funny because when the movie came out, it bombed at the box office. But it became a cult classic once it was released on DVD and definitely was in the hands of a lot of young boys who maybe went through the same experience you went through. Now, why is this book banned? Um, we'll talk about a little bit about the plot, but it's very obscene. It's extremely violent. A lot of details about these mangled faces that uh, you, you hear about and see in the book. Um, it was banned in all of Texas state prisons for being too stimulating and subversive. Many high school teachers have been suspended for allowing their students to read any Chuck Palahniuk books. And um, it's he's been on trial for this novel and probably his all of his other novels around six times in Turkey. And he was innocent every single time. And China actually recently censored the ending of the movie, which ends a little bit like the actual book. But before all the buildings blow up, China censored that ending. So none of the buildings blow up. And then a black screen comes up with text saying None of the buildings exploded, the bombs didn't work, and the police came and took care of everything. <laughs> so Chuck apparently liked that ending. So yeah, a little bit about the novel, if you wanna give us a short plot if you don't know it already.
1: Yeah, let's let's breeze through that. It's pretty simple so we can get in the rest of this. Basically you've got an unnamed narrator who's sort of a stand in for just your middle class typical american consumer worker guy he's a drone <laughs> he's a drone he's edward norton in the movie if you've seen it but he's super depressed he can't sleep and to fix that he starts going to these support groups for people with brain parasites and cancer and um something about that is cathartic to him and he's mm-hmm. finally able to go to sleep Until this lady, Marla, shows up one night, I think in the testicular cancer group, which is pretty funny. and She breaks
0: his flow, and now he's not able to sleep anymore, and she's basically outing him, and she's almost like a a mirror to his um, fakery.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and he goes on, I guess, like a vacation. He goes to a nudist beach. And he meets this guy named Tyler, who's basically the opposite of him in every way. He's super capable and alpha, and he's like the Chad, the Chad <laughs> meme. Um, just really cool, not afraid of anything, independent, philosophical. And they hit it off as friends. The narrator moves in with Tyler, and uh, but it's on the condition that uh, he has to punch Tyler in the face. And after that happens, they start fighting in the parking lot of some bar. And that's how the fight club gets its genesis. People eventually join in. They set up more of these clubs. They start
0: popping up everywhere. Yeah, they're
1: in basements everywhere and warehouses. And they start committing some minor type of mischief like peeing in people's soups and um, messing with signs and things like that starts to escalate a little bit more. And this thing called Project Mayhem develops that Tyler's leading. And it turns more from a, um, like, you know, free yourself, uh, free your inhibitions. To just full-blown terrorism. Yeah, to, like, hurting people. Tyler gives assignments. You have to go fight someone. Then you have to go murder someone. And um, the goal is ends up being to blow up this big building which is how the the book starts they're on the top of this building blow up that building and let it crash into a museum and that will reset history somehow and you think that uh well this is after also the narrator finds out he and tyler are the same person but everyone oh, yeah. already Spo- knows that spoiler spoiler so whatever here. and you think that tyler's going to get away with it cuz he's just so much cooler and more capable than this narrator but he turns out actually to be a dummy and he doesn't make the right mixture of explosives and the explosion never happens. And the book has such a much better ending than the movie because instead of the explosion happening and Edward Norton going off with the girl and everything being pretty much okay, the narrator in the book wakes up in a mental institution which he thinks is heaven and orderlies are bringing him food and medication, and he uh, he realizes that even they're in Fight Club, and they're like, "We're waiting for you to come back, Mr. Durden blah, blah blah. So the point is this this guy never really overcame his own anger or aggression. it He tries to stop it, but in the end, yeah, it gets the best of him and totally ruins his life.
0: There's a lot of scenes in the book that you don't get to see in the movie and it just makes it so much better. And still in general, I mean, I know we're going to talk about our feelings in, you know, in, in the end, what we felt after reading this book, but there were times of major cringe. I felt like an angsty teen boy reading it. I could see the connection there, but it still had some really good parts that I didn't know whether I liked the book or felt a little weird by it. I've read better, but I think this is a great book if you're liking that same genre of books that we've been talking about on this channel.
1: Well, let's let's talk about the word angst because that, that's actually really important here. And when you were mentioning earlier, you know, why do so many young boys gravitate to this story? I think it's because of that, that word angst and the way this narrator embodies it in the book. But when I say angst, at least for the context of this book, I'm not talking about just like an you know, angsty teen like listening to rap or punk or whatever. I mean angst in like the old German sense, the way uh Soren Kierkegaard talked about it. It's it's more than just being you know, upset. It's um it's deeper than anxiety, it's a sort of dread without an object. So a lot of young people start to feel this when they're going through puberty. They know there are all these big problems out there. They're becoming more aware of the world. And it's really scary and overwhelming to them, but they don't really know what to do about it. And that's ex- that's like the incarnation of, or this character is the incarnation of that. So off the bat, that's relatable. But then what really hooks people, I think, for the story is not only does the narrator have that feeling, but he overcomes it with this radical Nietzschean self-determinism and does what all young men are really meant to do. He actualizes himself. He becomes a badass. He puts all his anger... To use and like the, the book talks about guns all the time like he turns his own will into a focused explosion and like Nietzsche talks about with the ubermensch he uses it to bend reality to the image that he wants it to be which is super appealing to men I guess women too but that's that's I think psychologically what's going on here too I mean it's it's a lot of Yo- Carl Jung type stuff too. You know, overcoming I
0: mean, going through a hero's journey.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the hero's journey except he gets um he gets stuck or maybe gets eclipsed by the anger itself and it mm-hmm. never gets like I said contextualized into something bigger that bigger than itself and it just collapses.
0: I think the general idea of the book, you know, having to feel alive again or you know you get in this routine and you've forgotten who you are and you're basically starting over and getting almost into that primal instinct of being a man and and letting out your anger and, you know, feeling the pain of what it feels like to be punched, um, just to feel alive again and improving your life. I get it, but you can tell in this book it just gets to the point where, I Even even Tyler uh, slash the narrator or Edward Norton character realizes that maybe he was the wrong type of father figure for these people and everybody took it the wrong way and turned it into something way more violent than it was supposed to be because um, clearly you can kind of feel towards the end when he's stuck in that mental hospital that – He's really realizing, oh, what have I done? Um, now the people that are taking care of me, like, think I'm this God. Uh, but in, in a sense, that's what he was trying to, trying to do. The other side of himself. I mean, Tyler, when we first meet him, he's, it's so on the nose. Come on, Chuck. He's like building a hand made out of sticks and he's trying to sit in it, like, sit in his creation um and it said this... something like
1: a moment his own moment of perfection that yes. he created
0: <laughs> so um but but i know a lot of people like to associate this book with toxic masculinity bum, bum, bum.
1: yeah and i get that you know i mean i think the whole toxic masculinity stuff is a really stupid idea but the book understands that i mean if you look at the ending of the book he doesn't get away with it. it, right? In the movie, I could see how, and that's mm-hmm. where I think like all this internet fandom stuff for Tyler yeah. Durden comes from. Is people, and it's like American Psycho too. They internalize the movie instead of the message of the book. Mm-hmm. And again, the the movie just shows, yeah, you can do all this stuff like beat people up, cause mischief, and be like a cool edge lord guy, and you'll still get the girl, and like pretty much be okay but I mean that's the fun part of getting to become yourself is I mean there's pain and suffering too but it's an adventure like that's Mm -hmm. what Young says it's like the adventure of your life but that's also got to be balanced with a lot of hard work too in figuring out what am I here to do like why am I enjoying the stuff I'm enjoying, what um, what service do I have to offer, what's really my purpose. And if you don't do that, you get stuck in the just becoming, becoming, becoming part. Mm-hmm. And you end up burning yourself out.
0: I think in general with uh, Tyler and then the narrator, he obviously was swinging one way too hard where he became Tyler and Tyler was always around and following him. Um, and he was also this very gentle soul who was just ready to obey and do whatever. I think you have to find some kind of a balance between those two types of yourself, like still feel alive and do what you love and you could make a routine of that. And I think in general, we've, we've also By the end of the movie and the book, there were a lot of contradictions in the messaging with this novel
1: and and
0: movie. Yeah, it just felt that way with with some of the things. I know you wanted to talk about the Raymond K. Hessel scene. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Before we continue, a quick interruption. Want to purchase the book we're discussing in this episode? Well, check out Bookshop. Bookshop. Bookshop is an online bookstore with a mission to financially support local independent bookstores. As more and more people buy their books online, Bookshop has created an easy, convenient way for you to get your books and support bookstores at the same time. Bookshop will give away over 75% of their profit margin to stores, publications, and authors. If you want to shop the books we've covered on the podcast, visit the link down below in the description. We do receive a small commission based on sales, so thank you for all your support of our channel and podcast.
1: Yeah, the the scene with Raymond is probably my favorite scene in the book, but it, it it is a little confusing because, you know, this is at the point where it's progressing to where they're going from just messing with people to actually hurting them, and then... The whole goal of Project Mayhem is to basically destroy everything and reset everyone back to the Stone Age. But in this scene, and just just to set the stage, it's a scene where the narrator slash Tyler goes and holds a guy at gunpoint who works at like a gas station or something. And he mugs him and he has a gun to his head and he makes him kneel down and he's like, what's your name? Blah, blah, blah. He sees his parents' picture in his wallet. And he's like, oh, you went to community college. I see your ID. What did you want to be? He says, I wanted to be a vet. And Tyler asks him why he stopped. And he said, too much school.
0: It's and too then, hard, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then he's basically like, all right, Raymond, I'm going to check in on you in a week. And if you're not on your way to becoming a vet, I'm going to come kill you. And he lets the guy go and you get the sense that his whole life has changed. It's kind of like um, that short story from Hemingway, the short happy life of Francis Macomber. It's also like um, Flannery O'Connor, a good man, is hard to find. I mean, what he's doing is taking a uninitiated sort of person, like kind of numb sort of person, and forcing them to go through a their whole actualization mm-hmm. process.
0: A near life experience. Really <laughs>
1: rapidly. Yeah. And, um, I, this was like the most optimistic part of the whole book I for loved me because it. I think that that's the core. It's like, wake up, come back to life, like, take your blinders off, and, um, you know, you're gonna die someday. So make it count and, um, do something that matters. Don't just be a slave. Mm-hmm. But, like you said it 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 does feel a little contradictory to Tyler's whole deal yeah as the as the book progresses but you know maybe that that tracks because by the end of the book not the movie but the book cuz the movie tries to really sympathize you with Tyler but by the end of the book you see that he's kind of crazy and you know not um well yeah crazy but <laughs> On not consistent like yeah. not like as good of a thing as you thought in the beginning so mm. maybe it it tracks that you know some things are good about him and some things are not so good but either way I really loved that scene one thing that was weird about it though is he he stole that guy's wallet and his license and he's wanting him to go apply for school or he's going to kill him but I mean, wouldn't it take longer than a week to get a new license? No, no, he
0: does say, he does say, I'm going to check on you in a week. I'm going to check on you in a couple of months. And if you're still not on the track. No, he gives him like three and then six months. And he said, and if by then he still hasn't done anything with his life, he's going to come and kill him. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he could get a new license. I don't think that's the main (laughs) problem.
1: Yeah, I I just thought it. I was just wondering about that. Like if someone did that to me. he, He gave him time. Okay, okay. Well, before we leave that part, I wanted to ask you, do you think that's a moral thing to do that? I mean, not that we're going to go do that later, but um, what Tyler does to that guy in that scene, Mm -hmm. do you see that as an altruistic sort of thing?
0: Look, it takes some people that kind of an experience to change their life, um, something so drastic. Maybe it's not having a gun to your head, but something similar could happen to you, me, um, in, our, in our life that'll make us get up and do something. But I think also this book is trying to push you so that maybe you don't have – it doesn't get to that point where you literally have a gun to your head for you to actually do something and change your life. Um, I don't think it's necessarily bad. I don't think that's the right way. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't come to that is what I'm saying. But sometimes you need a kick in the pants like that to make you change your life, do what you want to do and not just fall into this routine and accept your fate and uh, forget who you are as a person. But I don't think it's a bad thing, no. I just hope it doesn't take to that point. It reminds me of bilbo you know it took <laughs> i wish he
1: was in this movie <laughs> right?
0: he would fit in perfectly but it took it's a gandalf showing up at his door for him to change his life so again maybe... sometimes you need that push sometimes you need that kind of a push
1: or you end up like harvey dent in the dark Knight, and you go around with a coin and i know you're acting all weird
0: well in general with the book a lot of other contradictions, something more simple. Like they keep saying you can't talk about fight club. That's the main rule. But how are so many fight clubs happening if nobody's talking about it? Hmm. Someone's talking about it. Someone's breaking the rules.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that was like that in the book. Like you just have to go with, for one, I I don't know why.
0: Why are there rules?
1: Yeah. I mean, why are there (laughs) rules if you're a total anarchist? Um, Why would seeing a guy beat himself up in a parking lot make you want to? And not just you, but like people in mass start doing all this stuff. And um, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's hard to be uh, like the Joker or an anarchist or just a force of chaos and also be organized and Mm -hmm. consistent at the same time.
0: Last confusing thing about the book. And maybe you disagree with me, but I had a hard time understanding the point of Marla. Marla and her character. I mean, I liked the whole. You know, of course, you had your. She was literally the only other female. I mean, there was one other, and she she died, and that was Chloe. But um, the book doesn't have any women except for Marla, and you know, all we know about her is that she's ready to accept death and she goes to these clubs um, to feel, not clubs, but she goes to these gatherings with the cancer and people dying um, so that she can feel a little bit better about death. But towards the end of the novel, I guess she's just kind of there in the background. She wasn't, in my opinion, that important to the story. If she wasn't in it, I don't think it would have made that big of a difference. But maybe you feel different about that.
1: Well, I liked her in the book more than the movie, but I think her role is, one, is just... Well, first, she's just a catalyst for the story, like, to get him out of those groups and mess up his sleep. But as far as her relationship to the narrator, she's an object of desire for him, and then as as the story progresses, she's kind of a kindred spirit, I think, to this guy. They're both totally lost and dysfunctional, but she's not quite as insane as he is, and she ends up kind of falling in love with him. They never say that. They say the word like, but... um,
0: Maybe she brings out a softer version of him.
1: Well, they both care about each other, and he goes through a lot of effort at the end to try and save her from the mess that he created for her, but... I think it's it's a glimmer of hope that even someone that dysfunctional mm-hmm. can find someone else that cares about them. And she still does even at the end of the book she's writing him letters and saying, you know, I'm looking forward to the day you'll get out or something like mm-hmm. that. But in the book she's just I mean in the movie I, I didn't really see the
0: point of her. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, well, I, like the, I like that actress. actress I but... mean, I like her too. Well, um, I don't know what the what the next topic you want to talk about, but as far as um, comparing this book or just this story in general, I thought I was smart and I came up with this first, but then I found that a lot of people thought the same thing. But men have Fight Club and Dead Poets Society as their you know, movies to inspire them. Um, They're almost the same. They're both uh, a club, a society. Of course, the other one's a lot softer. It's men getting in touch with their softer side, I guess, and and reading poetry and screaming it at the top of their lungs. This one's about getting into what a man is really supposed to be about and feeling like a man and fighting and blowing off steam. Um, What did you think about that and comparing them or or just the point of both of these kinds of stories?
1: I think they're the same basic deal. I mean, it's just guys communing together with some sort of common thing, fighting or poetry and in doing so kind of coming to life and waking up and, you know, discovering who they are. And I think in the afterward of the book, actually, uh, Chuck Palinuk talks about that, how there were all these movies that uh, depicted women doing that in the 90s.
0: There was never one for men.
1: Yeah, there was nothing for men. And he said he could have wrote it about a golf club instead and probably, probably sold a lot more books, but he didn't. And um, so it's like Dead Poets in that way, but there's an extra added layer of just commentary and satire and just raw aggression to the society of that time also. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, Dead Poets didn't have that really. But this, in addition to being guys coming together and having, having a good a, time. a brotherhood. Yeah, and doing, doing something cathartic. Um, it's just a massive slam against American culture, I guess, in the 90s. And... At times, I thought that that some of that sounded a little juvenile. Like, it almost sounded like a kid from the quad complaining about, um, you know, consumer society and the man. But by the end of the book, I, I kind of agreed with it, and it, it made me a little bit angry, too. I mean, wh- what do you think about that side of it with the IKEA furniture and, you know, wanting to blow up Starbucks and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you, do you think there's um, there's a real justification for that kind of anger?
0: I think so. I mean, again, I think the general idea of this book is very important. Yes, you don't want to become just the things you own. And there's nothing important about owning a bunch of things and trying to look good that way. I mean, being a human is about doing human things and feeling things and making relationships and feeling sad or feeling hurt um of course I believe stuff like that is more important it's just sometimes in the book the way they were talking about these things felt cringy because maybe I've grown up and felt the appreciation for life um through my own life experiences and whatnot but I think when you're a young teen you get so caught up in things and maybe you do lose a sense of who you really are. Um, and it's a, this book can maybe make you feel like, oh, I'm going to stick it to the man. Um,
1: I mean, that's what I was bouncing back and forth between for most of the reading is, you know, on one page I would feel like, yeah, I mean, it's, it is annoying that you have to worry about buying all this stuff and that nobody cares about you even enough to ask why you have... Uh, you know, a punched out face when you come to work. And then on the next page, I would be like, you know, there are people in India that, uh, I don't know, are dying of the plague or something, and you're complaining that you have too much IKEA furniture. But like I said, by the end of the whole thing, I think that it really was a a righteous anger at this stuff and this society and I think it goes back to the the angst I was talking about mm-hmm. like I'm I'm really going to sound like a kid from the quad when I say this but <laughs> if you think about it American society and the economy we have is kind of built to fuel itself off of that angst and like anxiety and unsureness of these um kind of aimless middle class people I mean you get, you're young, you're confused, you don't know what to do. Uh What are you going to do? You're going to go watch a movie or buy a video game or go um stress eat pizza or, I mean, it's even worse now that we have the internet because it's just, you're constantly bombarded with material things mm-hmm. that
0: it's an American problem.
1: Yeah, you can't get away from this illusion that, you know, if you just spend probably what's a good part of your paycheck if you're young and dumb, if you just spend a good part of that on this, it you won't have to think about this angst for a little bit. The problem is a lot of people in America, they keep doing that and doing that and doing that and then they're 40 and insane and miserable and they're still no different and it keeps them from having to go through the process that everyone goes through in this book. It just keeps you numb and comfortable and you never actualize. You never have Mm -hmm. to put your chips on the table and figure out who you are, what's really bothering you, why, what do you really like, why, what do you want to do, how can you help people. So all that's to say is I don't think you can just write this book off as a you know, cringe, (laughs) incel, Reddit, 4chan, whatever guy complaining about society, even though the problem is just him. I think there is a more nuanced, Mm -hmm. real thing that he's getting at here. And, you know, the book talks a lot about people from olden times, like pagans and stuff that had to go through all this suffering out in the wilderness so that we could have this level of comfort in society. And there's truth to that. You know, I mean, we do have more comfortable existence than anyone else has Mm -hmm. had in history. And you shouldn't complain. But at the same time, and this is kind of what the book made me think about too, it's such a new thing, and there's so many comforts and conveniences that we have that no one else had, that you are kind of pushed mentally and spiritually into almost this new frontier that probably no one else in history had to deal with it, unless maybe you were like a king or something. And you it's, you just have all the free time in the world and you can get lost out there, like floating in space. And that's, I, I'll wrap this up here, but that's what um, one of the speeches in the book is, you know, we're the middle history... The middle children of history, and you know, we didn't have a war, so our war is I'm gonna confuse this. Our war is our lives, like we're our lives are the Great Depression or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I'm saying, like, that's what's real in this book, and more than just you know, a Reddit guy posting a Tyler Durden meme.
0: Right. Well, you space monkeys out there, you better be liking and subscribing and sharing this video. Um, And I wanted to say that um, as far as the human experiences, how we've lost that sense of who we are in the generation that we're in. I mean, the book opens with him connecting and being able to sleep again because he's crying and watching people cry. And it's weird, but... He's, he's found some kind of an outlet that made him be able to live again, um, and then he takes it to the extreme of getting punched to death um, and really feeling something. So I think the book is all about trying to find some kind of a balance. It's fine to go ahead and pursue your dreams and work hard and maybe find that routine, but also don't forget that you're also a human and you need to feel human things and connect with people or you'll end up like edward norton at the beginning of the movie you'll end up like patrick bateman maybe and <laughs> take it too far um and all of these other uh sigma male uh stereotypes but i wanted to end the episode maybe just talking about the sigma male and why you don't want to be one
1: <laughs> why you don't want to be one yeah.
0: Or these shouldn't be people that you look up to and idolize. And I don't think that's that's really what these authors were trying to say here. Like, these are your role models.
1: So we're talking about, like, the memed anti-hero yeah, maybe, type guys. the
0: memed version.
1: Well, I mean, this is something that is kind of confusing to me because the usual roster of characters I see on these internet things is... You'll have The Joker. You'll have um, Travis Bickle from uh, Taxi Driver. You'll have Ryan Gosling from Drive. Um, Maybe Rorschach. Rick from Rick and Morty. Uh, Tyler Durden. Uh, Patrick Bateman. Yeah, Patrick Bateman, Tony Soprano. And I kind of get that there's some commonality between all of them but at the same still time confusing each one is so different yeah um i think it's almost it's maybe more like a um the kind of response that kids have to superheroes like people especially boys they're wired to just respond to images of power in a man like a man that you know has is able to project his will on the world and I guess since these characters have like a little bit of extra edge and maybe they're a little bit more outsiders that that makes them more relatable to maybe a lonely type kid but
0: become a role model
1: but like I said they're they're just so different I don't get why why you would lump the guy from drive in with um Patrick Bateman like at the end of drive I don't want to I'm gonna end up sounding like one of these people too but At the end of Drive, Ryan Gosling sacrifices himself to take care of this new family he's found and um, sacrifices himself for this new meaning he's made for himself in his life. I mean, it's a really kind of uplifting thing. Patrick Bateman is just a totally crushed and sad, selfish person straight through to the end of that book. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't quite get the...
0: Yeah, internet people sound off in the comments. Explain this to us. We don't understand. Yeah, maybe
1: um, I'm missing something. I know. <laughs> I know they got the Shrigma males too. That's but, true. Um,
0: there's too many different types of males here.
1: Yeah, and and I think they're confusing like typical alpha males with uh, um what the sigma
0: beta. I don't know. There's there's all types of them.
1: I think alpha and sigma just means cool, and beta means lame. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's sigma
0: Sigma's like the lone wolf.
1: Yeah, isn't this just a way for, like, organizing hierarchies of animals? Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know how it grafts on to the meme. Well, they're way totally, cooler
0: than just your average Joe Schmo, so I, I get the appeal. I guess.
1: <laughs> um, we never really talked about the style of the book.
0: That's true.
1: But I, I think it's worth mentioning real quick. It's a... it's very unique. It's the shortest sentences I've ever seen, maybe next to Raymond Carver, but they're sentence fragments. They're cut up and stacked on each other, and it's a mixture also of first and second person, so that it's a very unique book stylistically. I think it works, though, because the narrator is not even like a unified personality. So switching from I to you all the time was mm-hmm. really cool. And I, I just liked what uh, the author says about it in the afterward, that his goal was to make a, a new type of writing that was just cuts so that you only felt, you didn't have all like the baggage of setting up a scene. You just felt the essences of, like each beat that he was trying to give you. And for me, the whole thing went by in what felt like an hour.
0: Yeah, it's a really short book, easy to read. It falls under that same style. Again, if you're, you've are you been following us for a while, a lot of the same type of authors um, and, and writing styles. I mean, I really like the book.
1: Only thing that bugged me was um, the the leaning on a couple things. Like there's a lot of repetition in the book, but leaning on um, the I am Joe's um, nipple or like the stuff like that (laughs) they would see in every paragraph. And uh, also leaning heavily on the use of the word, but what?
0: Yeah, I was going to I was if you weren't going to mention it, I was going to mention it. I could have done without that. I felt I don't know. I made that face when I.
1: (laughs) Yeah, those are the only two real bugaboos. For the book for me but for for a, each of those problems there's so many more things that just won me back over to it that I loved yeah. I mean one two for such a dark story it's it's super funny mm-hmm. I mean there was one laugh out loud moment I I had even while reading it it was on page 146 I gotta read this real quick my wish right now is for me to die I am nothing in the world compared to Tyler I am helpless. I am stupid and all I do is want and need things. My tiny life, my little shit job, my Swedish furniture. I never, no, never told anyone this. But before I met Tyler, I was planning to buy a dog and name it Entourage. This is how bad your life can get. Kill me.
0: Yeah, I remember I <laughs> I, <laughs> I told you about that part in the book and I was like, wow, that was...
1: That's the most broken man in all of literature, yeah. right there. Yeah.
0: Well, if you can <laughs> if you can get past moments like that, I think you'd really enjoy reading this book if you haven't already. If you've only seen the movie, you've got to you've got to read the book. It's going to change your mind about the movie, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely watch both. Understand the important difference. And before we end, I just I wanted to ask one more question. Because this is the thing that I've been thinking about the most since I read this book. In the scene with Raymond Hessel with the, the gun to his head, I started thinking, what what would I do in that situation? Like, to try and get out of it. Like, what would I say mm-hmm. to someone like that? Maybe to save myself. Did, did you ever think about that? Or if so, what what would be your angle there?
0: Well... I think I would probably just pass out and I wouldn't be able to answer anything. Oh, yeah,
1: you're right. I I had this whole like deep thing prepared. But yeah, I'm not going to kid myself. I'd probably poop my pants and I'd be passed out to would Just shoot me.
0: (laughs) If I don't pass out by then, I mean, I would say for real that it was I was ready to change my life and I would thank them for helping me along the way because I want to be nice and I don't want to get killed.
1: That's a good answer. <laughs> I think I would just say... Look, like I already read Fight Club. <laughs> I went through a lot of shit already to get to the point where I'm at in my life. And it took all that for me to realize how important what I have is. And that I can do something good. And I can help people. And if you want to kill me... I, I can't really stop you. You're going to do what you're going to do. But I'd really like it if you let me live because I want to keep doing that for as long as I can. Keep doing my purpose, which is help make life better. And I think in doing that in a weird way, like finding what you're good at and using it to serve people, you end up being about as free and happy as you can be.
0: I think that'd get you off the hook. You're lame. (laughs) Well, if you uh, haven't already, make sure you take control of your life. And if you continue to buy a bunch of stuff that you think is going to make you happy, it won't. Okay, go ahead. Start a fight club. Maybe don't fight. Don't don't start a fight club. Don't listen to that kind of advice, but do something important with your life. And don't just sit around and play games and look up to these people and that's it
1: and share joker gamer memes
0: exactly on Fortnite
1: with your friends
0: well thank you for watching please go read this book make sure you like subscribe share follow us on all the social media channels and remember
1: if a book is banned it's worth reading